Everything Sucks, Season 1, Episode 10. We were merely freshmen. Welcome back to your unofficial Everything Sucks podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and as usual, I'm joined by... Julia! That's right, the lovely Julia and the lovely Ken. Here we are. Yes. We're like your version of the boring news team, except we're <laughs> podcasting about Everything Sucks, so... Yes. Love me, love me, say, say that you love me. me. That is definitely going into the bloopers. Oh, that's how we're kicking off the show. What are you talking about? I'm going to cut from <laughs> that and play some of that song. I don't care about anything but you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Last episode was fairly heavy, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about the episode We Were Merely Freshmen. So we, mm-hmm. want, we want you to... To get on your device, whether it's a tablet or a phone or your TV. People still watch TV on TV, right? That's a thing? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I do it. That's how I do it. I'm old-fashioned. I don't get a big-screen TV to watch something on my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So fire up Netflix and watch Episode 10, We Were Merely Freshmen. Are you ready to start the commentary walkthrough? Definitely. All right. Here we go. All right, Scott Pocket. Bro! Scott Packet. <laughs> Here we go. This is a really heavy episode coming off of an extremely heavy episode last time. Yeah. That was just a doozy of an episode. So much to unpack. Yeah, a lot of it. And Luke's been having to deal with the repercussions of the last episode. Episode 9, My Friends Have Been Eaten by Spiders. Yes. Scene one opens, and it is Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. This is the day after Kate and Luke's trip to the bridge where they had the discussion. And the yeah. night of the premiere at Boring High of Intergalactic Lust. Mm-hmm. We see a devastated Luke watching a video of his father, Leroy O'Neill. We see Luke sitting in his bedroom watching another one of his father's vlog tapes. In the tape, Leroy looks like he cannot take it anymore. He looks really stressed. He really is hating life. Would, would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree. Yes. Luke's father, Leroy O'Neill, says, I can't breathe. I wasn't put on this planet to point a freaking camera at a freaking wedding cake. I keep thinking about Close Encounters, how at the end Richard Dreyfus says goodbye to Earth, and he gets on that UFO. He, he has to. You've got to say goodbye to your friends and family for the great unknown. He's a hero. He's an artist. And a real artist doesn't need friends or family. Now this speaks to what we've not seen, but to what actually happened. This is, this is part of the thinking that led Leroy O'Neill to leaving his child and his wife behind. Yes. We've also had parts where... Sherry had, had talked in a previous episode about Leroy that he wasn't a good man. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing 
some of this as he's breaking down. Yep, this is our first insight. So he says, a real artist doesn't need friends or family. Mm -hmm. you got to say goodbye to them. And this hits Luke really hard. You can see it on his face, yeah. He's internalizing it, and he's realizing that he doesn't really want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. But that's where he was headed, right? Right. The last two episodes, that's what Luke was doing. He was becoming that same thing. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was acting exactly like his father. Mm -hmm. Luke leans over and pulls the videotape out. He looks at it. And then he does something you should never, ever do. He starts pulling the tape out of the video cassette. And he scatters it all over the room. And he does it to another tape and another tape. Each one in more rapid succession. After a while, the, the camera shows Luke on his bed surrounded by miles of torn out videotape. And we see all the carcasses of the videotapes laying around that contained his father's wit and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Luke breathes deep, looking at the mess, and he is now alone with his thoughts. As the opening title comes upon the screen as a sticker on a playing videotape. And we hear Freshman by the Verb. Mm -hmm. Which is a great choice for this show. It is such an excellent... This song is excellently used right here because we're going to see so much and we're really not going to be able to describe everything that you're going to see on the screen. It would be a two and a half hour podcast. 100%. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of quick cuts and stuff like that. So, you know, this is why you should watch along. And Yes. So... Scene two opens, and Luke opens the stained glass door to the AV room. He is all alone. It's Saturday morning. And we hear from the day before Jessica Betts of the boring high school news team say, Don't forget, Beavers, Intergalactic Lust premieres tomorrow night. Be there or be square. Mm-hmm. It's the big day. Yeah, this is the big day. So Luke is in the editing bay as the verb pipe continues to play. And Luke is looking through the dailies and the videotapes, and he sees the film of the gang in happier times, and he pauses on Kate. And there's footage of Luke saying, Hey, everyone, big ups to Kate for making this all happen, and all their friends cheer. He pauses on her face and looks at her. We see Luke thinking, and he gets up out of his chair. We hear a phone call to Scott Pocket's house. Scott answers, Pocket residence, Scott speaking. Luke says, hey pal, it's Luke O'Neill. Then we hear another phone dialing up, and it's Luke calling Cedric. Then we hear Luke calling Leslie. And he tells Leslie, listen, I know the screening is tonight, Leslie. I need your help. We cut across town, and we see Emmeline getting ready for the day. She's looking pretty, and she's looking in the mirror. Mm -hmm. We cut back, and we see Luke and certain cast members doing reshoots of the movie. Yes. Cedric says, but this changes the whole movie. Luke says, I know. That's the idea. How's it going to work? Premieres tonight. You're out of time, Holmes. Mm -hmm. Luke says, I'm only out of time when the lights go down. That's very true. And action. It's a really cool moment because Cedric's holding the script. He looks uncertain, and as soon as Luke says, action, that paper drops the floor, and he looks at the camera like an action hero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a really cool moment. 
just how someone can switch from this to that real fast. Yes. We see Kate getting ready for the day in the silver dress that she and Emmeline bought at the thrift store in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. The Rocket Man dress. Great name for it. Mm-hmm. We then see Luke filming some more, and it's Scott Pocket. And he says, you were wise to come around. And Luke says, do you think you got this? Scott Pocket says, ain't no thing like a chicken wing. <laughs> and action. <laughs> I love Connor in this role of Scott Pocket. This is just fantastic. Connor, yes, just amazing. Yep. This guy's got a, a pretty big future ahead of him, I think. I think everyone in this show does. I agree. We cut to Tyler and McQuaid, and they are doing a version of Pretty Women. Yes. Where we see them doing a trying on outfit montage of mm -hmm. McQuaid putting on different outfits including a tux at the thrift store. Which was your favorite outfit that he tried on? I got to go with the tux at the end of it. I think my favorite was when he dressed up as a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Some things you just have to see, folks. Oh, my exes live in Texas. Good one. <laughs> So we cut back from our montage of Tyler and McQuaid finding just the right outfit. We hear Leslie ask across town, can I tell McQuaid that you're changing the movie? No. Can I tell Kate? Luke says, especially not Kate. Can I tell Tyler? Luke says, no one can know about this. It has to be a surprise, okay? Okay. And Luke says, roll sound. And... The entire time, the song Freshman is still playing in the background. Mm -hmm. We cut to Kate, who is now helping her dad adjust his time. We see them as they look at each other in the mirror. And we see that Kate is there for her dad. Yeah. And she kind of is hugging him and looking at him. And you almost get the feeling that she's like saying everything's going to be all right. Yep. It's beautiful. It's beautiful because... She's, she's looking out for her dad. Mm -hmm. And earlier in this year, she'd been focused pretty much just on herself, kind of disregarding her dad. And she's now realizing the value and the nowness of the relationship and how you have to live in the now and be with it, right? Yep. This is, it's, a, it's a time of realization for her and for Luke. And all this is done with no... No words. dialogue. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no dialogue at this point. It's just done with touch and with the eyes, and it's very well mm -hmm. done. Yes. We cut back to Luke, who is editing furiously. Across mm -hmm. town, back at the O'Neill house, we see Sherry O'Neill in a pretty red dress. We then hear Cedric say from a screen, Know this, I'm better for loving you. Yeah. With that, Luke is done. He turns the screen off, and he ejects the videotape from the player, and he puts a sticker on it which says, Master. So this is the copy. This is it. Mm-hmm. Stargrove did not get final cut. Nope. <laughs> Scene three, premiere night at Boring High. We see a poster for Intergalactic Lust. We see the lobby all decked out. There's popcorn and refreshments, and things you can buy, and playbills. And we see Leslie 
who spots Sherry O'Neill. People are buying tickets. Mm-hmm. Leslie says. Are you Luke's mom? Sherry says, yeah, I am. Leslie says. I'm going to show you to your seat. Okay. Thank you. Leslie says. It's still a little soggy up here as she tries to lead Luke's mom up to the balcony. Yeah, Sherry O'Neill follows Leslie up the balcony. She looks a bit nervous and not understanding what's going on. Now, the sogginess that Leslie is referring to is because... Of the water some, damage. Yes, from the water damage from uh, Kate pulling the... <laughs> Somebody wanted to pull the fire alarm because they were nervous about kissing Luke. Yeah. Well, nervous is an understatement, but you get what I mean. You know, it's interesting how all of this is unfolding in the same place where the AV Club and the Drama Club had their first contentious meeting. Yes. And the same place where Luke and Kate couldn't quite work things out. But it's, It all is, comes back full circle. Yeah. Scene three. Kate is waiting outside by the railings, and she sees Emmeline, who... Stops at a pole and kind of does this thing where she spins around it, and she says, Hey, good looking. Kate says, Hey, back. Emmeline says, Nice dress. Mm -hmm. Kate says, Thank you. Somebody might have helped me pick it out. At this point, Kate notices something and says, You pierced your nose. Emmeline says, Yep, somebody might have inspired me. Oh. Emmeline reaches into her pocket and says, I got you something, and it matches your nails. What is it? It's a ring pop. Mm -hmm. And they, they each have a ring pop. Yeah. Emmeline says it matches your nails. Kate mm -hmm. says, oh yeah, thanks. So do you want to sit together? Emmeline says, doesn't that go without saying? Of course, yeah, totally. Kate says, I just didn't know if you wanted to sit with me or sit alone, because that would be... And Emmeline interrupts her and says, Kate, I want to sit with you. They tap ring pops together and they say, cheers. <laughs> 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 so another cool thing like corn dogs is added to the show, ring pops. So Yes. Scene four, Sherry O'Neill and Leslie arrive at the top of the balcony stairs. Leslie says... You're to sit in the front row next to the gentleman. The camera reveals, and we see that Ken Messner, who cannot believe his eyes, is sitting there. Yes. I he love how they orchestrated this together. Mm -hmm. And he looks like a deer in the headlight, right? He does not mm -hmm. know if he's supposed to jump over the railing uh, <laughs> or what. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But you see... Patch Dara playing it so well, you see the aching and longing in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And they're nervous with one another. Leslie says, enjoy the show. Sherry approaches him. She says, hi. He says, hi. Ken says, I can move if you prefer. Sherry says, no, that's, that's okay. She asks, did Luke send you up here? He says, yeah. Then he offers her popcorn. And Sherry says, are you sure you have enough to share? And he says, mm, no popcorn for you. They both <laughs> chuckle nervously, and Sherry asks, how are you? He looks down, 
not wanting to make eye contact with her. And he says, I've been better as he looks up. You? She says the same. They make kind, reassuring eyes with one another. And it is interrupted by the sounds of Mr. Stargrove, who is opening up a spotlight, and he gives them the patented Stargrove what's up look. Yep. What's up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, th- I, I think this is uh, Stargrove's standard form of greeting, don't you? Yes. What's up? What's up? <laughs> it says so much, and yet nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a non-committal way of saying hi. It's right up there with hey. Yep. So, scene five. We see Tyler McQuaid. Tyler is decked out as a member of Oliver's army, as he's mm-hmm. wearing Oliver's trench coat with the clash buttons and everything. And McQuaid is in his tux. Yes. Tyler says, so are you nervous? McQuaid says, nervousness is an irrational feeling that has no practical application whatsoever. Tyler says, so are you nervous? McQuaid says, very much so, yes. Yeah, I thought so, says Tyler. Dude, she's here. McQuaid pivots to look at Emmeline, and she comes up and says, McQuaid, good looking tux. Where'd you get it? Oh, this old thing? It's It's been in my family for years. Really? I saw the same one at the thrift store. No, no, I, I don't think so. At this point, the house lights dim, and a nervous Luke O'Neill peeks from behind the curtain. He looks at the crowd and sees his friend as Leslie approaches. Mm-hmm. Leslie looks at him. Luke says, I'm ready. Yeah. Leslie leans into the microphone, and she's got her usher hat on. It's a really cute outfit for her, and she says, cue spotlight. At which point the curtains part, and Luke walks out. Stargrove hits the spotlight, and a nervous Luke O'Neill walks out in front of the red curtain. Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill. Thank you all for coming. This guy I once knew said that in order to be an artist, you couldn't be held back by things. Things like friends or family. I don't know. The reason I bring this up now is because it's it's helped me realize something. That guy was 100% wrong. It's because of my friends and my family that I've been able to make this movie. This is our movie. And uh, I want to thank everyone from Drama Club to AV Club to Stargrove. What's up, man? But importantly, I want to thank Mr. Messner. Thank you for allowing us to go to Cali. And for what it's worth, I think you're a really good dude. And he says, All right. Enjoy the movie, everyone. Scene six. We see the film open. And we see Scott Pocket as the narrator, like something out of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Or like Orson Welles. Yeah. As an aside, I really want to see the full version of Intergalactic Lost. I do too. I was hoping that like they would be able to put the cut on Netflix, right? Like some sort of like behind-the-scenes like extra. Bonus. Yeah. 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 At least release that for the fans. Netflix. Yeah. Come on, man. What's up, man? (laughs) What's up? (laughs) Scott Pocket says in his best Scott Pocket narrator voice, Greetings, my friends. 
We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You will now witness the shocking tale of a literal star-crossed love affair. Emmeline leans over and says to Kate, Is this new? Light years from now, the story of a man so unfortunate as to fall in love with the most forbidden of alien kind. My friends, the moment has come. Can your hearts withstand the shocking tale that is intergalactic lust? The card fills the screen. The audience reacts. And we cut to the White House emergency room. We see Jessica Betts and Boring's finest acting troupe. And Jessica is the President of the United States. She says... Isn't Carter John in this scene? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Shout out to the corn dog kid. And he's in the audience, too. Everybody's in the audience. It's cool. Even yep. the janitor. Janitor Steve's in the audience, too. Mm-hmm. Everyone's turning out for this. Yes. But what else is there to do on Boring on a Saturday night, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica says, my fellow Americans... Actually, President Jessica, I'm going to call her for this scene. Mm -hmm. My fellow Americans... Improving the space program has been, an, has been important to my administration, which is why I'm confident that not only will we reach Mars and Jupiter, but we also manage to reach Uranus. At that point, some of the audience groans at the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Someone says, duh. And we hear Cedric say, President, I need your attention. Jessica says, what, Secret Agent Smith? He says, aliens from the planet Gloptonia have landed on Earth, and it appears that they have touched down in boring Oregon. Cut to Carter, John. Hey, corndog kid. <laughs> and then we see Jessica Betts as the president look at the screen and says, boring? Who would name their town boring? The audience <laughs> groans. The audience starts to heckle and scoff at the film. There is no time. We must act now. You're right. Smith, I want you and all my agents in the field now. And at a moment of silence in the film, well, we see someone drop their playbill and take off mm -hmm. as the cast looks at the person walking away and they're nervous. Kate looks up at Luke. Yes. Someone yells, penis. Somebody else yells, God, this movie sucks. Yeah. And a nervous Luke can't take it. He goes mm -hmm. out to the lobby, and he leans against the table. He's alone with his thoughts, and then we cut to scene seven. We see the film in progress. We see Emmeline and Oliver in, decked out in blue as they're acting. And we hear Emmeline say, Blorg, please do not leave me and go to Earth. I love you. Why must you leave me? Please don't leave me. We see Emmeline, who is now being hit with this, because it's kind of a bit of a snapshot of the last days of her and Oliver's relationships. Yep. An exact parallel. Yeah. And we hear Oliver, as Blorg say, I must join my comrades to defeat the Earthlings for their cheese. Farewell, my love. Perhaps for now. Perhaps forever. Kate looks on at Emmeline with reassuring eyes. She's nervous. And we see the cheap special effects in which we see the car take off as a spaceship and it flies up through the sky, and we hear people laughing about it. We cut up to Mr. Messner and Sherry giggling and eating popcorn, sitting very close together. Mm -hmm. We cut back to the movie. The aliens are up ahead. Greetings, fair one. Woo! 
Zarjinda, what are you doing here? Who's the human? Seems you two got along well enough. <laughs> and Zarjinda says, No, I could never love an earthling. Blarg says, If you did, I'd blow their planets to bits. You would do well to remember that. Look out, we're headed straight towards Asteroid Belt 13. Its poisonous gas has been known to have shape-shifting properties that work on males only. Oliver says, oh my, I feel strange. Has my appearance changed? How did they get that shot? That's what I want to know. Wait a second, I'm looking, I'm looking at that. Because it might be, uh... I think what they did was they, they, they switched him to a like a one of those um fake skeletons from a science room and they just did a jump cut i think that's how they pulled that off and you see asteroids made out of tin foil of course <laughs> bounce against the windshield of the space car yes oh it's mcquade at that point it's mm -hmm. mcquade saying that yep so the oliver mcquade uh blorg switch has now taken place Yes. And the audience is digging it. They're laughing. We cut up to Ken Messner and Sherry O'Neill. They're having a good time. The cast doesn't seem to understand what's going on because this is not everything that they shot. Mm-hmm. But they're riding with it. Yep. We cut to scene eight, and we see a nervous Luke O'Neill pacing in the lobby. He puts his hand up to his brow. He's so nervous. And then we cut back to the audience and we see McQuaid doing his finest acting as he's watching himself on the screen. His eyes are huge. Victorious cheesemongers of Earth shall rule the day they provoked the mighty Blorg. <laughs> and we see the kiss. And the audience goes apeshit for it. And mm -hmm. Emmeline leans over and what she say to him? <laughs> she says, so hot, McQuaid. Yeah. And McQuaid looks at her like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, and we see Tyler munching on some popcorn, and we see the scene between Cedric as Agent Smith, Blarg, and Zarjinda. Mm -hmm. And we see Cedric grab one of those big, fake Star Trek-type rocks, and we see the, the doll go over the, <laughs> over, over the cliff. <laughs> dressed as Tyler in blue and when it lands it's Tyler with his with his tongue stuck out <laughs> laying there dead yep and we see everyone laughing there's Carter John laughing everyone's laughing Emmeline and Kate look at each other we cut back to the movie and Zarjinda is trying to assure Agent Smith that everything's going to be okay but then there's a cut to the film. Can we just mention very quickly that right before the cut to the film, so this, this is right after the doll hits the ground and yes. they're doing various shots of the audience. When they, when they put the camera on Kate and Emmeline, Cedric, who's sitting right behind them, notices everything that's going on between them. He takes one knowing look at them and he doesn't bat an eye. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, he's putting it together. Mm-hmm. There's a cut in the film, and it changes. You can see, you can see what's happening. And Cedric's character says, "We can't. I can't make you do this. We couldn't survive on Earth, and I can't survive here. We both know it. I didn't want to believe it, 
But we don't choose who we are, Zarjinda. We belong in different worlds, and it breaks my heart that we're not meant to be, but I'm better for loving you. Yeah. And if you even feel 1% the same way, that's enough for me. At this point, we cut back to the lobby. Kate opens up the lobby door, and she says, Luke, why aren't you watching? Luke says, I've seen it plenty of times. Oh. Because yeah. it's real life. Yeah. And what's happening on screen is literally what Luke has determined needs to happen in real life. He's letting Kate go as far yeah. as his his hopes and dreams of what he wanted her to be. He's going to accept her for what she is. Yeah. Kate says, you changed the ending. It's about us, isn't it? Yeah. Luke says, are you upset? Kate says, no, I'm the opposite of upset. I love it, Luke. Luke says, cool. Kate says, and I saw our parents up in the balcony. It's pretty cute. Well, if you saw what I saw, you wouldn't be calling it cute, Luke says. <laughs> Kate says, want to head back in? Luke says, yeah, it's pretty much over. And she leans over and she kisses Luke. And she says, and that was a friend kiss, by the way. Luke says, I know, Kate. I know. Yeah. Scene nine. So much happens here, you know. So mm -hmm. much happens so fast. Scene nine. We see McQuaid scream, get him! Damn you, Agent Smith! which point Agent Smith grabs his laser pistol and says, Yo, Blueberry, let's jam. And tell the audience what happens. Yo, Blueberry, let's jam. <laughs> and then his head turns into a watermelon and blows up. Yeah, he shoots. Agent Smith shoots Blarg in the head, and his head explodes literally like a watermelon. Cut to an <laughs> audience shot of Carter John, as surprised as ever. Yeah, everybody Again, loves the out. effect. Yeah, shout mm -hmm. out to Carter John. Everyone loved the effect. They're all laughing, but it's it's a good laugh. Mm-hmm. They're digging it. Yeah, Carter John really reacts, and we see uh, Ken Messner and Sherry laughing, and we see Luke and Kate enter the theater again, and everybody is applauding and going nuts. They can't yep. believe it. Everyone, it's a pretty much a, a sitting standing O, right? Mm-hmm. And it says directed by Luke O'Neill on the screen as he hears his mom and everybody else, including Janitor Steve and a fist-pumping McQuaid. <laughs> Everyone is happy. The film is a huge success. Scene 10, we see a disco glitter ball. I assume this is the auditorium of the school. Yeah, it looks like the gym. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't the auditorium and the gym the same thing, or is it my different? Am I messing that up? Uh, well, no, because where they watched the movie was the auditorium. See, I would have, yeah, I guess, but I would have thought that was a theater. You're right, yeah. Well, the names are interchangeable. Yeah, because I know in my school, we were too poor to have an auditorium, so the gym was like an all-purpose everything, right? At my school, well, this is not my... Not my high school, but my elementary school. We actually had a stage that opened up in two rooms, depending on where you were sitting. 
So on one on one side of the if you had the curtain closed on one side of the stage you would be facing the gym and then on the other side you would be facing the lunchroom. Everybody's hanging out in the gym. They're having fun. Yeah. And we see a, a weird bit of people saying hello and congratulating one another. And we see Jessica Betts talking to Cedric, and Scott Pocket is there, and Mr. Stargrove is there, and they're having cake as Carter John walks by. Mm-hmm. And they're all congratulating one another. Holy crap, that movie was awesome. We've got to make another one. Someone yeah. says, a courtroom drama next time. It'd be so exciting. And I think Stargrove says we should make an Italian slasher movie. Nice. <laughs> And then Jessica Betts goes, no, as if. <laughs> we see Kate walk across the, the gym, and she sees Emmeline. They smile at one another, and Kate has a, a drink for her. Is that for me? Yeah. And Emmeline says, you want to? And Kate says, what? She, she says, come with me. Emmeline takes her by the hand and leads her out. And we see McQuaid, who is noticing this. He and yes. Tyler are standing by one another. As Emmeline and Kate are walking by, McQuaid just drops off focus and stares at the two of them. At which point, three pretty girls show up, giggling. Are you McQuaid? Tyler says, yeah, he's McQuaid. And I'm Tyler. The girls ask. Will you sign my program? Um, what? Why? And the girls say. You are the funniest part of the movie. McQuaid then says in his usual McQuaidness, Yeah, I'm 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 usually much better at detecting sarcasm. And one of the girls says, See, he's so funny. And he still neglects to sign their program. Yeah, he, he's got three fans right there, and he's going to bail on them. He's uncomfortable, but more importantly, he wants to find Emmeline. So he says, I'm going in. And he leaves Tyler alone with the girls. He takes one last gulp and smashes his cup and throws it on the floor and says, I'm going in. Mm-hmm. Tyler then turns around with his tuxedo t-shirt that he's wearing. Very Tyler. <laughs> Tyler says, uh, uh, I'll sign it if you want. And the girls just smile, wave, and walk away. Yeah. Oh, McQuaid, you don't know what it's got till it's gone, brother. They might have had pine cones, too. Mm-hmm. Tyler looks despondent and sad. Yeah. As he watches them walk away. He picks up his Oliver coat, and he walks across the gym, and Leslie sees him and looks on as he leaves the gym. He puts on Oliver-like sunglasses and goes through the gym doors alone. Mm-hmm. We cut to see Luke talking to janitor steve and some other faculty and he notices his mom and ken messner he asks to be excused and says can you give me a second he thanks them for coming sherry says hey little man ken says hi it was so good i'm just so proud of you oh thanks mom ken says bravo mr director i think we may have to make the school movie a boring high tradition oh thank you thank you Luke says, so are you guys like a thing? <laughs> uh, you'd have to understand. It's, uh, it's complicated. Yes, yes. Cool. 
Then Luke says, Mr. Messner, could you give me a moment with my mom? And then he says, yeah, sure, I'm going to go get my mingle on. Yep. He then asks his mother if he wants, if she wants some punch. Uh-huh. And then the camera cuts to the next scene. We see Kate and Emmeline walking up to the auditorium stage. Uh-huh. And Kate says, what are we doing? And Emmeline mm-hmm. says, may I have this dance, madam? So classy. And then she says, I'm sorry I flipped out. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. Yeah. And it's neat to see, like, Emmeline dancing and, like, she's doing the shot, the, the finger gun thing before she approaches Kate. <laughs> yeah. And she bows and asks her, may I have this dance, madam? And we see them on the stage and kind of see the light dance off of them. And she takes Kate and spins her around, at which point we cut to see McQuaid out in the hallway. Yes. We see Emmeline and Kate talking. They look at one another. They dance closer and closer together. And what happens, Julia? They finally kiss. It's beautiful. Kate looks at Emmeline like she can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And they look into each other's eyes. The camera pans back and we see McQuaid enter the, the auditorium. He cannot believe what his eyes are seeing. And he watches them kiss. Yep. Dejected, McQuaid looks down at the floor, turns and walks away. I just, one of the reasons I love that particular part with McQuaid is that he doesn't seem upset that Emmeline is kissing a girl. He's mostly just upset that the person Emmeline is kissing is not him. Yeah. Which is an important distinction to make. Right. They continue to hold and kiss one another as McQuaid exits the auditorium. And it's so beautifully shot. And you feel so bad for McQuaid because he really, really likes Emmeline. Yeah. He takes his jacket off. He slinks down to the floor. And he pulls a pine cone out of his pocket. He throws it across the hallway and looks down. We then cut to scene 12, which is Sherry O'Neill and Luke talking. Mm-hmm. And they say, so I was thinking, maybe it's okay for us not to tell each other everything. Maybe we're better off having some uh, boundaries. I was going to say secrets, but yeah, boundaries. Okay, I'm good with that. Cool. Because I've got a bunch of secrets I've been keeping from you, says Luke. <laughs> a bunch? <laughs> yes. If I told some of those, your mind would be blown. Sherry says, some secrets are okay. It's funny when he says, I have a bunch of secrets to tell you. Yeah. But it's a great moment between mother and son. And then they do that ultimately kick-ass cool thing. <laughs> she kisses Luke. Yeah. And then they do that kick-ass handshake that I could never master in a million years. Cut to Kate, who enters the gym, walking through the sparkly, stringy curtains. As she walks into the gym, we see in the background (laughs) Ken Messner bugging the disc jockey, asking if he's got breakfast at Tiffany. Yeah. (laughs) Do you happen to have that breakfast at Tiffany song? He looks up, looks around the room. Sees Kate. Yeah, he's jamming a little bit. He sees Kate. Mm -hmm. And makes a beeline right towards her. He sets his drink down and he hugs her and says, 
I am so proud of you. That was so good. It was so funny and so creative. Kate says, thanks, Dad. What a great night, huh? Kate says, the greatest night of my life. Ken says, I can tell you're glowing. She says, I am. He says, you certainly are. You're just lighting up the whole room with that beautiful smile of yours. Oh, I'm embarrassing you. I love him. I do, too. I do, too. He looks at her face and he says, oh, I'm embarrassing you. And she says, uh, no. No, it, um, Ken says, what is it, sweetie? At which point, the O'Neills walk up to the Messners and Luke says, yo, Messners. Ken says, yo, O'Neills. Sherry says, Kate, it is so nice to finally meet you. Kate says, the same. Um, no offense here, but the snack situation here is a little lame. We were thinking about going, we were thinking about leaving and going for pizza. Do you guys want in? Are we in? Sure. Okay, great. And they make small talk as they walk away laughing. And we now see Luke and Kate involved in another love story, which they can be friends for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And we see the Messners as a couple. And we see a bit of a family there. I love this part. Something that's going to go on beyond this night. Yeah. And they've now lived through something and learned through something that a lot of people never get to experience or figure out. Yes. And the unforgivable sin happens now. We cut from this happy picture of the O'Neill's and the Messners. We see a motorcycle drive down the road past the boring Oregon sign. Yes, and the writer is Leroy O'Neill. And he's figured out that he met his son at that blockbuster, and he's making the trip back to his former home. Mm -hmm. He pulls into the driveway. And goes up to the front door. He takes the helmet off, pulls his hair back, and we see the O'Neills and the Messners having pizza as Ken is feeding Sherry a piece. And they're laughing and giggling. The camera pans to the door where we see a nervous Leroy O'Neill who knocks upon the door. Cut to black. Cut to Everything Sucks logo and credits. Mm -hmm. And wow. How could you do this to us, Netflix? How could you do this to us? Do you know, I would still want a second season, but this one scene makes yeah. it even more, it just, it just speaks to what was to come, right? Yes. It just kills me. It kills me so much. Netflix, bring this show back. Give us a second season. <laughs> <sighs> so how many corn dogs do you give? We were merely freshmen. Season 1, episode 10. How many corn dogs do you give this? It's over 9,000. <laughs> What's that from? Dragon Ball Z. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's an amazing amount of numbers that I give this show. There's such a beauty to this story, and it's a story that I needed to see. Yeah. I would really like to thank the producers and creators, Michael Moen and Ben York-Jones, because whether they realize it or not, they told my story. I was in love with a girl in my teenage years, and I, too, 
had a father who had left and I found myself taking after him in ways that I didn't even realize and I went through some of this same story arc I even fell in love with a girl who I wanted her to be the thing that would fix my life mm -hmm. and she had to be herself yeah whatever that was and I had to let her go in the sense that I had to learn to love her because what I was doing was actually harming hers in my relationship and I watched this show and it makes me so happy that there's a show finally made where the hero doesn't get the girl but he gets to keep the girl for the rest of their lives because they love each other and who knows they might become family literal family who knows what, what could have happened with the Messners and the O'Neills but they would continue to have a lifelong relationship just not in the way that he had it all written in his head right yeah so I, I think this is the kind of thing that young people need to see this is just as much as I say it's a crime that there's no season two I thank God that there is a season one mm -hmm. there's a lot of lessons to be learned about life in this show and I was talking to my wife last night I said there's just layers and layers and layers to this show I've known some people that'll watch the first four or five and tune out because they think it's just a teen comedy. But it's like anything. It's like school. You just meet everybody and it's lots of fun. And then by the end of the year, you get to some serious stuff. You get to know one another. And that's really what happens here. And we only got to see the first so many months of the school year. And we still don't know if the Boring High Beavers beat their, uh, remember, Principal Nudie? Hmm. <laughs> He he basically, uh, when Ken asked him about the uh, Boring High Beavers winning this weekend, didn't he say yes. something like, don't count on it or something? <laughs> yeah. We've, we've never got to see a football game. We didn't get to see prom. And we didn't get to see a graduation. And I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have seen this go on for like four years. Me too. I would have loved to have seen Oliver come back. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see Oliver fail in New York and come back and realize, hey... I had something special with Emmeline, and I wonder what would happen there. Yeah. Would Emmeline find herself? Would she center herself and figure out who she really is? Mm-hmm. What does Emmeline look like? What does a fully realized Emmeline look like, you know? Yes. So many things I wanted to see. I wanted to see Leslie finally maybe get Tyler. That would have been cool. Yeah. Me too. There are so many things that I that I would have wanted to see in the second season, you know, um, more interactions with Leslie and with Tyler, Tyler actually like getting apologies from his friends who haven't been treating him very well. Um, For Tyler to find his voice, because right now at the end of this episode in frustration. He's setting himself up to be an Oliver clone. Just imagine an Oliver who basically had to realize that the world wasn't going to crack to his whip. Coming back and Tyler saying, well, here's your coat. Come back. He goes, that's not me, man. Yeah. And that's not you either, Tyler. The mm -hmm. thing is to find yourself. Right. It would have been nice to see that. I think that there was so much set up for these characters. And it just, it breaks my heart. And I've had people ask me, dude, what is it with you in this show? And it's just, it means so much to me. 
It means so much to a lot of people. I think the num. I think despite whatever person from Netflix says, the numbers speak volumes. Yeah. It shows that when a show has the right promotion and people know that it exists and it has beautiful, brilliant subject matter like this and it's handled so well, it's watched and it's cared about. What more can I say? Yeah, I agree. It's with great sadness that we reach the end of this. And who knows? Who knows? There's always hope, right? These characters can live again. Definitely. Whether it's maybe an audio drama, maybe fan fiction. Who knows what will happen? Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see this cast stay together because they brought us something amazing. And there's so much talent in this cast. And I see so many bright futures ahead for all of them. And someday I'd like to interview Michael Moen and Ben York-Jones. Uh, hopefully that will happen someday. I would love that. <sighs> I just can't say enough good about this show, and as as upset as I am that as of right now there is no second season, I can also say thank you, Netflix, for having the balls to put this show on, for seeing something in the vision. You know, I can understand things not working out. They've got to make money. I understand the whole thing. They at least gave us a chance to spend this this one season with them right Mm -hmm. but until you know i'm gonna go to my grave saying hashtag renew everything sucks i might have it put on my casket so you've got that you know to deal with netflix it's on your head (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so as a subscriber of netflix i thank you i thank you for giving us this show in the first place but i'm also a subscriber who pays monthly and and i want you to give this show back to us. I want you to give us this cast back while you can. I want you Please. to give us this vision while you can. Please. So here we are. We're going to rate this show. You said more than 9,000, right? Yes. Well, I'm giving it five corn dogs and five ring pops. And five pine cones. Yeah, and, and five uh, tinfoil asteroids bouncing off the hood of the space car. Yeah. This is the part of the show where we usually play a song, and there's so many great songs used in this episode. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite? I like the song that is played during the kiss scene. Duran Duran's Ordinary World? Yes. Also, um, Freshman by The Verve. And we also got... Love me, love me, say that you love me. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you love the music of this, you can get, uh, you can go to Spotify. There's an excellent, excellent, every song used in season one is, is on this Spotify playlist. So it's pretty cool. Please go and check it out. You will not regret it. Find links in the show notes. Yeah, just in this episode, there's, there's so much great music. The Freshman by The Verb Pipe, The All Consumer, Velocity Girl. Aren't they just called The Verb? No, the verb pipe. Really? Yep. We've Hmm. got the All Consumer by Velocity Girl. That's the song that is playing when the audience applauds at the end of the movie. Yes. And it ends just after McQuaid exits. Then there's Love Fool, which is played during the after party by the Cardigans. Ordinary World with Duran Duran as Kate and Emmeline dancing and kissing. Mm -hmm. And 
in the meantime, which is a song that was used earlier in the series, and that's when Ken is hugging Kate, and the Messners and the Neils walk to grab a pizza to the end credits. And there's another song, Wishing You Were Here by London, and the song plays at a high school gym during a party. So, pretty cool. You can check that out. Do a search for Everything Sucks on www.tunefind.com and you can find exactly where the show, where songs were used in the show. It's fantastic. It's a great, it's a great source. That's for any TV I show. I love that way. website. I use that website all the time. Me too. It's a great way to find great music. So, mm-hmm. so check it out. So I guess we're going to play... Ordinary World by Duran Duran. You want to cue this one up and be be the disc jockey? One last time. And now we're going to play Ordinary World by Duran Duran. Where is my friend when I need you most? 
today, forgot tomorrow. Ooh, yeah. Beside the news of holy war and holy me, ours is just a little sorrow. song it's got a great solo descending piece in it and uh duran duran's a great band are you a duran duran fan i love duran duran i think you can't be human and not like duran duran yeah they were a fun band you know they came out like in like 1981 or two you know that right Mm-hmm. god i'm old anyway yeah it's a, it's a beautiful scene beautiful song and um, you got to love people for what they are, not what they're not, right? Definitely. Uh, try to get online here. And we're going to play that funky sound of the dial-up. Any minute now. Takes a second. And we're going to contact with one of our banana slugs. So do we have any feedback? This tweet is from at renew underscore every underscore sucks. They say, people, don't just tweet hashtag renew everything sucks. Keep watching the show on Netflix so it can get more views. If you really want the show to be saved, watch it over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. And if, if our show causes you to watch the show again on Netflix, this is a good thing because it'll let Netflix know that you're out there. And that's probably the, the best way. And if you have a friend that hasn't watched it, Watch it with them at their house, because then that picks up as another user. Yeah. Got another one? Yeah. This one is from user at 3030TDG. They say, I am a lesbian from Japan. I was waiting for a character like Kate for a long time. Kate saved my life, and I believe she will keep saving young LGBT plus as well from now on. Everything sucks must be continued. Please, Netflix. Hashtag renew everything sucks. Hashtag save everything sucks. And you know, I think the biggest lesson to be learned from everything sucks is find yourself. Yeah. Whatever that is, find yourself. There's so many people that never make that happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Got another one? <laughs> yes. This is also from at renew underscore every underscore sucks. This says, okay, Netflix really needs to sort their stuff out and hashtag renew everything sucks. It's a charming, beautiful show that could really, that 
could have really helped me as a baby gay and probably does for a lot of young people out there. So do it. Yes, do that. And don't forget to check out the Support Everything Sucks Facebook page. If you do a search for pages, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash we need more boring. So check them out. There's a lot of cool resources there. And Daisy Franklin is uh, writing an article about Everything Sucks fans. She's the editor-in-chief over at Film Daily, and we're looking forward to talking to her at some point. That would be cool. So mm -hmm. it's amazing to see all the articles written about this show. You know, so many top 10 and 15 and 25 lists, so many things. And it's been great to see things like uh, Scott Pocket, a.k.a. Connor Mule, uh, on his Young Artist Academy Award. Did you see that? I did. It's great seeing this cast go on to other things. Like, I, I saw Jahi in a movie, yeah. actually, not too long ago. It was uh, surprised me that he was in it. I didn't know. And Rio Mangini is um, doing the score for Relish the Movie. Yeah. Peyton Kennedy is playing Betty on Grey's Anatomy. Sydney's been doing her stuff with The Handmaid's Tale and with some other things. And Patch Dare was recently in the first Purge Midnight, mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool. It's it's good to see the cast go on, but I would like to see this cast work together and tell these stories with these characters. But you know, I'll be watching for this cast for the rest of my life. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, if you like Star Trek, the original Star Trek, you like followed those actors as they went out into life, and this is. Uh, this is going to be the same thing for me. Yeah, me too. I've got one last tweet left. This is a throwback tweet. Mm -hmm. And it's from a user that everyone knows by the name of at Sydney underscore Sweeney. And she writes, my heart is broken. I don't even have words to say how much I'm going to miss this story. I dreamed of what was to come for Emmeline and Kate, but I guess it's time to say the hardest words. Goodbye. I can't thank the fans, all of you, enough. Your support is everything. Banana Slug. And back on May 29, Karen Frost of AfterEllen.com, who recognized that the fans are still fighting, and she leaves us with these wise motivational words. Keep signing petitions, keep tweeting, because every voice matters. Netflix, are you listening? Hashtag everything sucks. Hashtag renew everything sucks. Yes. And that's where we leave episode 10. Mm -hmm. We will still do some shows as we see fit. Anytime any one of the cast and crew want to come on, we'll do that too. Who knows mm -hmm. what will happen, but you'll be able to find us on everythingsuckspodcast.blogspot.com and wherever fine podcasts are listened to and binged. You can actually binge the entire series. Yes. Along with binging the entire podcast. So. Mm -hmm. We'd like to thank everybody who is part of this show. Thank you to Christine the Button Queen. Thank you to Giselle Amari. Yeah. Thank you to Claudine and Patch, Christopher Morrison. Carter. And, and our buddy, Carter John. Mm -hmm. and, and his mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a blast. And if we end it here... It's been a great run. I want to thank you, Julia. I did not know what to expect when I found you. This was incredible. 
I was hoping that I would, because it's kind of weird when a dude who's like in his early 50s contacts. It was very scary for me to do that. I didn't know who was on the other end of the tweet. And I was so happy you were over 21. <laughs> but I didn't know if you would even have any microphone experience. But you stepped up, and it turns out that you have a great microphone presence. You're, you're a great host. and uh, Thank you. I really appreciate you. It's it's great to hear different voices in podcasting, not just a bunch of guys who think they know it all. And I'm all for that. I've always been for that, for, for other voices in podcasting than just what you're used to hearing. Everyone has a voice. Find it and use it. Definitely. If there's anything that this show taught us, that's probably one of the number one lessons. Yeah. So... Which of the characters on Everything Sucks is most likely to have a podcast, and what would it be about? Hmm. Most likely to have a podcast. Mm hmm I feel like Tyler would be that character. Definitely Tyler, but I'm thinking Stargrove, definitely. Oh, Stargrove for sure. That's, that's a definite given. Yeah. His might be called the Everything Sucks cast, and it would have nothing to do with the show. It would just be talking <laughs> about how music sucks now. That's Pretty what much. it would be, you know, or anything, you know, movies and everything sucks. And uh, that I can just see Stargrove doing that. And McQuaid would probably get in on it somehow, some way with Tyler. And you know, Patch Dara's Ken Messner would, might have a podcast on better principling and better parenting. <laughs> oh, I could so see him doing that. And you know damn well I'd what the listen. theme song is, don't you? I would listen. The theme song would be Breakfast at Tiffany's. You want to dance out with me? Sure. All right, let's play that funky beat. Thank you, Christine, for being our announcer. Let's go. <laughs> Once around the gym. <laughs> Nothing in common No common ground to start from And we're falling apart You'll say The world has come between us Our lives have come between us Still I know you just don't care She said, I think I remember the film And as I recall, I think we both kind of liked it And I said, well, that's the one thing we got Yeah. 
This is only the beginning of yeah. a very beautiful podcasting partnership. Yeah. Well, I want to have you on pop and we'll watch the craft. I want to talk to, you know, about things. So, yes. To our listeners that are out there, if you want to find us on the socials, you can find us at Pop Staff Tweets or at P. Kennedy Updates. Also, follow P. Kennedy Updates if you want to get updates on Peyton Kennedy and her budding career you can also find me personally at dae tweets things on twitter and you can find my lovely host ken at nightwing ken on twitter and you can find us on facebook go into the search bar and search hashtag renew everything sucks and you can find our group yeah you'll be able to find us on everything sucks podcast.blogspot.com yes you will and you'll be able to get all of your Everything Sucks content that we've created. You'll be able to find interviews with... Hello, Banana Slugs. Hey, it's Patch Dara, Ken Messner from Everything Sucks on Netflix. And this is the Everything Sucks podcast. Hashtag Renew Everything Sucks. Hi, my name is Claudine Mboligikpelani Nako. I play Sherry O'Neill on Everything Sucks. And you are listening to Pop. Hey, Mr. M, hashtag renew everything sucks. This is Christopher Morrison, Dylan Barker, class of 91 of Everything Sucks, and you're listening to Pop, Go Banana Slugs. Everything Sucks season two. Let's go. I'm Carter John, hashtag I am Corndog Kid, and hashtag renew everything sucks. And you are listening to the Everything Sucks podcast. Yep. It's been a great experience podcasting with you and 
It's been a lovely ride. Yeah, now you can binge the podcast. It's like you can binge the show. As you should keep doing it to get those ratings up. That's right. Thank you for taking a chance, seriously. Thank you for taking a chance. There's a lot of people that wouldn't have. And yep. All right, well, sister, this mister's going to take off. All right. All right, well, we'll see you at school. Yep. Banana slug. <laughs> banana slug. Yeah, banana slug. We'll see. You. Well, I don't know why I'm so sad about this. But Me too. I'm really fucked up because of this show. I mean, it really, it's really got me, you know. And yeah. uh, I feel really weird being like this 55-year-old mutant who is looking at these this teen comedy. But I you I, are I, not a mutant. Well, I am. I really are am. not. I w- I went to Charles Xavier School of the Mutants in in New York. I I graduated. From there, so. Oh. <laughs> It's not real. <laughs> no, I've always been a mutant. I've always been a bit of an odd, the the odd guy. But creative people are often that. Mm-hmm. I I hide. I do not hide my geekery. I wear it like a badge, and I'm very Me too. proud. And I will never ever apologize for loving something I love. Nope. Me neither. Fuck that. Life is too short. Mm-hmm. Banana slug. Banana slug. Bye. And those are your morning announcements. Have a boring day. And that's our show. Our podcast is an online, nonprofit audio fanzine made for fans of the Netflix original series Everything Sucks by fans of the Netflix original series Everything Sucks. Any samples of music or TV heard here remain the property of their owners. Our show is not affiliated with Netflix or Everything Sucks. And opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of our staff. If you like something you heard, buy it or subscribe to it today. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook or Twitter and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying, remember, hashtag renew everything sucks. Hashtag save banana slug. But I am devastatingly handsome and idol of thousands. <laughs> okay. Hey, yeah. Gotta be the one that saves me.